presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to the Better Late Than Never edition of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, here to talk with you about the paranormal broadcasting live on WBSM and also on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and also on Spooky TV at WBSM.com as well. So you have a variety of ways to check us out and stay up late with us tonight because we're going to go until 1230. I didn't bother to check with station management. So we they're, might get They're trouble. cool with that, I think. You think so? Yeah. Because they're all in bed. We have free reign, I think. I feel like. I'm pretty sure. Well, we own Saturdays now, Who's you and na- I. Look One, at that sheet right there. Who's Wonder Twin Powers activate. Here right. we go. Bam. That's true. We're the only names on this sheet. <laughs> Look at that. Tim Weisberg, Matt Costa, Tim Weisberg. Okay. We own this place. <laughs> All right. We are going to be talking about the paranormal. Tonight's guest will be Jason Lohman, and uh, we will talk with him about the religious side of paranormal investigation. It's something that we've talked about quite a bit uh, from the other perspective, that perspective being we don't really know anything about religion, so <laughs> we really don't have anything to offer in that regard. But Jason has written uh, a new book that deals with that topic and deals with it quite well, uh, so you can check out spiritualwarfareintheparanormal.com. That's his website. It's also linked up on the front of SpookySouthCoast.com as well if you want to check out the website and get the book for yourself. Uh, but we will talk with him coming up in just a few minutes. But before we do, I have to soapbox a little bit here. For a minute and i'm sorry that i have to do this but i do we we've all been enjoying the film the conjuring if you haven't seen it definitely go out and check it out it is a very very good horror film i wrote a review of it uh, on the um wbsm.com website i read it actually is very well done thank you so uh you can check that out for yourself if you go to the spooky south coast page on wbsm.com you can read that review and i also have another blog post up there about the other side of the horror movie, and that being the fact that this uh, is based on a true story. Uh, the Perrin family, of course, uh, we've heard Andrea Perrin on a variety of uh, media outlets sharing her family side of things of what happened. And they're working hand in hand with Warner Brothers in the promotion of the film. However, the house that they used to live in in Rhode Island is now owned by uh, an elderly couple who are being besieged with... The only word for it is legend trippers, and I don't mean that with the capital letters, like the people who come to our legend trips events. Uh, I mean that as those who are just out there thrill-seeking. And it's not even legitimate paranormal investigators who are out there. It's just you know teenagers and pe- young people that are out there. Larkers. Right. They're trying to just get a view into the windows. They're knocking on the doors. They're calling the, the phone number, and they're harassing this poor couple who are, are already not really in the best of health, and now they're adding all this extra stress on top of it. Uh, the police department has had to be dispatched there numerous times, and they're, they're patrolling regularly now to keep people off the property. And it's a shame because why can't we just enjoy the story and, and leave these people alone? The, the fact of the matter is... The couple that lives there now, the Sutcliffs, they have never experienced paranormal activity in that house. There's nothing going on. There's no reason to show up. You're not going to see a ghost. You're not going to see you know, Bathsheba hanging from a rope. 
uh, it's just it's not going to take place. There was that perfect storm of having the Perrin family there and having everything go on. And then, of course, these spirits followed the Perrin family when they moved to Georgia. So to bother the Sutcliffs over it is, is just ridiculous and illegal. So uh, we've actually called upon our friends in the paranormal field to help spread the word and to keep people away from that home. And we request here on the WBSM airwaves that you do not bother the Sutcliffs, that you do not go to that house. And to the moron, the idiot that put up a YouTube video with a map of how to get to their house, uh, their home address, and their phone number. Dude, what are you thinking? Apparently wasn't. Right. And it's somebody who lives in California, too, on top of that. So it's not like he's even going to be here and dealing with the local fallout because Andy was looking for him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was funny last night because Andrew Lake was uh, trying to track him down by uh, searching for him and, and going through some of the records in Rhode Island and, and trying to figure out if he could pinpoint exactly who he is and how he could get his hands on him. So um, thankfully for, for Andy's sake, <laughs> he's in California because who knows what he would have done. Thankfully for the dude's sake in yeah. California, Andy couldn't find him. So uh, please, please do not bother that family. Don't go to the house. It's it's not worth it. There, there's no reason to go there and get in trouble uh, when there's nothing going on. So that's our little bit of a soapbox moment for you. And uh, we were going to have Keith Johnson come on and talk about it, but with the Red Sox going late, we decided that we would just kind of address it. So just go to SpookySouthCoast.com and go to WBSM.com to the Spooky South Coast blog there, and you'll be able to find out a little bit more about the situation. But I think that we should get right into the discussion with our guest tonight, Jason Lohman. He was born in 1974, the oldest of his three siblings. Throughout his childhood, he and his siblings lived in an environment that was always changing. He lived in multiple residences, uh, over a dozen rental homes throughout Oregon, Washington, California, Nevada, Arkansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, and Arizona. He's been everywhere, man. Living in such an assortment of states, it is understandable how many different homes he lived in as well. And uh, in those homes, he had to deal with uh, quite an amount of paranormal activity. He has since uh, found God and turned his life to theology. And now he has written the book Spiritual Warfare and the Paranormal. And we welcome to the program Jason Lohman. Good evening, Jason. How are you? Did I hit the right button? Oh, turning on. There we go. How are you, Jason? Good. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing well. As you can tell, you know, waiting for this Red Sox game threw us off a little bit. I'm not even hitting the right buttons here. Oh, that's all right. Can you guys hear me well? Oh, we hear you great. And thank you for oh. joining us. I, I saw the uh, the press release and, and the interviews with you popping up uh, in my Google News alerts dealing with the paranormal. And I, I'll be honest with you, for quite a long time, we've been looking for someone who could come on and share with us from the Christian perspective, the idea of ghosts and hauntings. We, we've, oh, we, we've had people that can do it, and, but uh, it was always, um, you know, it was always kind of their way or no way. And what I like about your book is that, you know, you freely admit you don't know what ghosts are, but right. this is what your research has kind of led you to believe. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, my book uh, does not give the, the cure-all. It only gives you direction to finding and empowering you to rid the paranormal. And that's what I hope that uh, people will get out of it, is that a way to, uh, that empowers them to find a way to get rid of their paranormal that's in their home, uh, hauntings that's been following them. Uh, my life, uh, I've been studying spiritual warfare and the paranormal for the ni- in the 90s and in the, uh, the zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, since we had our daughter, I kind of backslid a little bit on that for the past couple of years. She's five years old now. 
but raising her kept me kind of busy. Sure, yeah. But this is something that you've had to endure throughout your entire life, it seems. Yes, yes. Matter of fact, um, my siblings, not so much me, but my siblings, they they had a uh, continuous ongoing. Every like It seems like every year something's going on. And believe it or not, my siblings are actually calling me to help them go in and cleanse it real quick. And for some reason, they keep coming back and following them. Uh, but... Uh, I I will I'll give a beep. Uh, I will definitely go into that. Why I think demons follow certain people around. I will do that. You want me to uh, share a couple of my stories? Well, Tim? yeah. Let's let's start at the beginning uh, of when you first uh, had a, a paranormal incident in your life. Well, it be- it began when I was two years old, and uh, and these memories are so vivid in my mind i remember them everything we lived in a small 800 square home it was up in auburn washington and weird things would always be constantly happening happening the uh, water faucet and the sink securely tied on would all of a sudden be busted off water everywhere windows will be shattering not in one direction but in all directions uh, my dad had just placed a tempered glass window in his backyard and we're, the family was outside looking at the tempered glass, admiring it. All of a sudden, it shattered in all directions, uh, walking, footsteps. My parents even witnessed a uh, ghostly hand closing my bedroom door. When they went up to go look in there, my brother and I at the time were sleeping in our twin beds. So that's when the paranormal, paranormal happenings began. And, and it seems like right right from the start, it, it seemed very strong in, in terms of the level of activity. Yep, yep, it was. It sure was. And my dad, he was always uh, he was always being job transferred. He was a truck driver, so he was always being job transferred here and there. And so we always had to pick up and go. And so um, we did that. And my next my next paranormal one I remember was when I was seven, eight years old. And we're in a house in California, and I had the top bunk. My brother shared the two uh, the bedroom with me. They were on separate bedrooms, or separate beds. One beneath me, and I was on top. And we had just gone to sleep. Everyone gone to sleep, and I was the only one awake. I was facing at the popcorn ceiling, and then lo and behold, in my peripheral vision to my left was a silhouette of a man, a dark figure, only a mere foot away from my face. I turned my head to look at him. I could see the details of his eyes, his nose, his mouth. But it was a dark figure. He was staring at me in a stoic stare. And it freaked me out. I became paralyzed, Tim. I became so paralyzed, I turned my head back at the popcorn ceiling. And I was so consumed with fear and who this or what this thing was, I fell asleep out of pure exhaustion because I was so scared. The next morning when I woke up, I reported it to my parents. They did not belittle me. They believed me because of all the happenings that's been happening in that home. Uh, doors would close, windows would uh, be opening, uh, footsteps down the hall continuously, bathroom lights flickering on and off in this particular home. And in one particular night, I was sleeping in my top bunk, that same silhouette shadow man was pinning me 
in my bed holding his hands on my shoulders. Wow. And and to have your parents acknowledge that this is happening when, you know, normally the role of parents is to say, this isn't, you know, it's not real. Uh, don't right. worry about it. Go back to sleep. But the, the fact that they couldn't do that just shows that uh, how strong that it was and, and that they couldn't even try to cover it up. You know, they couldn't, exactly. they couldn't even try to explain it away. Exactly. My dad was at the kitchen sink one time in that same home. He was getting a drink of water. The pocket door behind him opened and closed by itself. So there were, the toilet paper would roll and spin in the bathroom every night by itself. <laughs> we learned to live with it, you know. And now you got to understand, through all these paranormal experiences, we weren't churchgoers. We were off and on type of churchgoers. We did not know anything. Uh, Jesus Christ was not the center of our lives or anything. But it wasn't until I was in my late teens, 20s, that I decided, no, I'm going to check this stuff out. I'm going to read up on spiritual warfare. And that's when, for the next 20 years, I accumulated my knowledge. Now, I don't have a degree or certificate in it. Mm -hmm. It's just my self-research I've done on it, and and it explains a lot. It had explained a lot, which I hope to explain to you guys tonight. Definitely. Uh, One of the things that struck me uh, in reading your book is that when when you first start describing some of these uh, ac- this activity that you had to deal with growing up, I'm reading it and uh, I'm trying to make the connection. I guess in advance, knowing about your work now and knowing about uh, where you're coming from with this book, I'm trying to make yeah. the connection with those early instances of activity. And I'm like thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, exploding windows, things like that. A lot of that is well traumatizing. It doesn't necessarily equal demonic in my mind. And it wasn't until I got to the chapter where you describe uh, your family's experiences on the farm in Arkansas that I said, right. okay, you know, now they're dealing with something that's definitely dark and, and potentially demonic. Right. Right. Well, I will definitely uh, give you my uh, my side of the story. What, how I come to believe how most of it, most of it is demonic. I'm not saying all of it, but most of it. Uh, here's here's one story that I want to tell before I go on with my explanation. Sure. Is that my mother, when she was in junior high, she played with the Ouija board with a group of girls, and they were conjuring spirits down in the basement while the parents of whoever house they were staying at was asleep upstairs. They gave up for a while trying to conjuring spirits and demons. And then all of a sudden, things started to happen for sure down in that basement. The, the board started spinning on its own. A window broke down there. A gust of wind came through the basement to the point where it scared my mom so bad she had to call her parents to come pick her up that night. So I'm thinking that could be a possibility as to why we have continuous occurrences is because I believe that demonic forces can attach themselves to a person, to a family, and follow them from home to home. Not necessarily in the home there, you know, but follow them home to home. And so that, I believe, in conjunction with the lack of authority of Jesus Christ, gave the demons permission to do their hauntings. Well, you mentioned uh, in in the book that when you first started uh, uh, turning to religion, that you finally felt like it was strengthening you uh, against yeah. these forces that you've been fighting against your entire life. Did it just never occur to you 
earlier in your life to, to, to turn to the religious side? Was it just so far out of your thoughts? Or did you ever think that, gee, maybe if I, if I invoke the name of Jesus, it, it will stop some of this stuff? Did it ever pop into your mind when you were a kid? No, it did not. And I don't know why it didn't. I mean, you know, like I say, Jesus Christ was not the center of our lives at that time. And right, um, I mean, if you're scared, uh, you try anything. Yeah, yeah, it, it was not, and we just we were learning to uh, to accept the uh, the happenings. Mm-hmm. I remember my brother; he was young, and he was about uh, six years old. He's my youngest brother, and at the time, I was probably about fourteen. But he asked my mom, "Well, why do we keep getting them? Why do these spirits keep following us?" And my mother, I remember her replying back to him, "I have no idea why they are doing this. I have no idea." So that you know. <laughs> They do. They follow you. But uh, I would really like to get into what I've learned in my uh, my my research, though, for the years of doing spiritual warfare research. So, right, absolutely. Because uh, as you started doing uh, more research into uh, religion and into Christianity, uh, yeah. you, you can tell in the book that you can just feel uh, your resolve strengthening, and you can feel yourself. It's it's almost like uh, you'd finally stumbled upon your life path. Right. Exactly. You know, so, so what were some of the early uh, lessons that you learned uh, in regards to this activity? I will, well, what I've learned, and I, it really came to a peak when I was uh, uh, 20 years old, when I had my uh, next paranormal, paranormal experience. But I used what I had learned in the prior few years of spiritual warfare, what I learned, I had used it, and actually sent it away. And that is in uh, chapter, uh, I believe, chapter 6 of my book. And it's in a warehouse. In this warehouse, uh, my dad owned a janitorial uh, cleaning service, and I was 20 years old. My dad had asked me, Jason, do you want to work from uh, midnight till 5 in the morning to cleaning a lot of these businesses? They're empty warehouses. And I was looking for cash. I was 20 years old. And I said, yeah, I'll do that, Dad. So I went. And I was uh, cleaning these businesses. I would dust, vacuum. I would go into cubicles. I'd be the only one in these big warehouses and offices. And I'd turn on the lights and, you know, all the way till 5 a.m. I'd be the only one. Kind of freaky, but it didn't really bother me. But after about a week or so, things started happening in this off- on these offices, these cubicles, such as the light would be flickering right over my head when I'm in the middle of the cubicles. And I could hear the switch going on and off. It wasn't a malfunction in the wires. I could mm-hmm. literally hear the switch. So I'm thinking, well, that's odd. So I'm checking the switch and, you know, nothing abnormal. And then another night, the lights would start flickering again. And then the, every single phone in the cubicle would go off. Now, this is 4 in the morning. And I don't see why anybody would be, you know, want to the, play games with me 4 in the morning. Sure. I mean, how, how many people actually even knew that you were there? Yeah, yeah, just my dad did. And so, but my dad, he's not that type to come and follow me, you know, and prank me or anything. Sure. He wouldn't have no access to it. I had the oh, only okay. key into the building. be a massive prank to pull off, too, to call every line all at once. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I, I went into the, one of the offices, you know, uh, and it had its own light switch. I was in there, and it had a big old window from top to bottom. A uh, big old glass window, and I, as I was doing my vacuuming, I was right in front of the uh, window, and I could see my reflection because it was dark outside and it was uh, light on the inside, so it acted as a mirror. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, as I was staring at myself, boom, 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 
boom. I mean, these were thunderous pounds on the window. Shields went up my arm and my back. I quickly grabbed my broomstick. I went out of the office. I went to the front of the door of the, of the building. I went around outside to where the window was. All I was met was, was an empty field. And it was like 3 in the morning at that time. Only a moon was out shining. Nobody was around. No signs of anybody at the window. When I looked in the window at the vacuum cleaner, there was nothing inside. I mean, it, I said, okay, you know what? I think I'm dealing with paranormal activity. I think it might be the same spirit that is haunting me as it was when I was a kid. Sure. It, would, it would come and go throughout my life. So... So I decided. This is oh, kind of your this is kind of your fight uh, fight or flight moment facing down yes. this activity. Yes, and when and when that happened, I was in my fight mode. I brought my broomstick and I was looking for some individual who was messing with me, but there was nobody there. And that's when I came to the conclusion: okay, it's a haunting going on again. So, but prior to that, for that, for a couple of years prior to that, I had been studying out of the Bible about spiritual warfare. I've been studying books by Derek Prince. Derek Prince is very good in uh, talking about spiritual warfare and about demonic hauntings and so forth. Uh, I've studied from George Otis. I'd read all their books. So uh, with this accumulated knowledge that I have acquired in the past couple years at that time, I decided to bring my Bible the next following time I was at the warehouse. But I left my Bible in the truck. And I went in, and the lights started flickering again. The windows now, all the windows started pounding. Boom, 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 boom. Not just the one, but boom, boom. I said, my gosh, I'm going out, and I'm going to grab that Bible. I went out, grabbed my Bible from the truck, locked my truck back up. I went in the door. I locked the door behind me. I opened the Bible up to Scripture, to the Scriptures that I was going to read. And I told that entity who I was and what I was going to do to you. And what was the response so you got? At that point, Tim, I opened up the doors that joined between the warehouse and the offices. I wanted my voice to be heard. I wanted to uh, throw out my voice to where every corner of that, all the offices and the warehouse would hear my voice in a commanding voice, because that's what you learn. You've got to be commanding over the entities. So I'm reading scriptures. Now, I was fairly new at doing this. This is my first time cleansing. I'm reading scriptures, and I'm reading from Psalms, the book of Psalms. Now, that's okay to read, but there's stronger scriptures to read versus Psalms. But I used Psalms at that time. And what I did is I picked out certain verses that, that said that I had more power over evil. I had more power over demons. I picked out scriptures I read that said, uh, exalt God, uh, fear no evil. God is with you. Jesus Christ is with you. Fear no evil. Jesus Christ gives you authority over evil. So I started proclaiming that with a loud voice. And I walked to every corner of that warehouse saying this. This went on for about an hour, Tim. Wow. And what happened during this hour was that my inner core was heating up. I could feel heat coming from my inner core. And I was sweating drips of sweat from my face while I was reading the scriptures. I went around, and I told this evil spirit, I, you fear me. I do not fear you. With the authority of Jesus Christ, you do not belong here. I command you to be gone. So this went on for an hour, and 
subconsciously, I could feel this being yelling in my face. It's, it was a weird feeling. I could feel it in my face. He was, like, yelling at me. Well, did you hear but something? After it went on for an hour, calmness had come across the whole building. And ever since that calmness came, I was able to clean that building physically without any more interruption. Hmm. So when you heard it yelling at you, could you could you actually hear a, a, an audible response? Was it more just uh, feeling the the uh, the feeling that it was, it was yelling at you? It was the intense pressure in my face. I was feeling. I it, I didn't hear anything audible. It was just intense pressure. I could feel that he was fighting me face to face. He was trying to yell over me, is what I think in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. He was trying to yell over me. You cannot send me away. You cannot do this. I wish I had a voice recorder, uh, you know, EVP. I bet I would have picked up something, yeah. you know, of him yelling right back at me. But uh, I didn't have one, of course. And uh, But I could tell he was right there in my face yelling at me. But eventually I had won that battle. He was gone. He never came back. And I continued for... I don't know, another few months cleaning that without any problems. So now that was kind of your, uh, you know, light bulb moment of realizing that yep. not, not only uh, is this what you're going up against, but you can rid them, uh, you, you can rid a, a location of them as well. Yes, you can. And not only, this is my thing, is that I come to the belief that you don't need a priest, you don't need a pastor. All you need is the authority of Jesus Christ in the Bible by your side. When you have the authority of Jesus Christ, you also have the Holy Ghost. I mean, that ghost is real. The Holy Ghost is a real ghost sent by Jesus Christ to help you fight evil spirits. It says that in the Bible. So I, the Holy Ghost is with me fighting this evil entity. So what I'm saying is that you don't need pastor or pastors or preachers or clergymen, not unless... Uh, not unless you don't know anything about the Bible, or you don't, or unless unless you, yeah, unless your own uh, spiritual belief isn't strong enough. Right. If your spiritual belief is not strong enough, okay, take bring that preacher in. But I'm telling you, you anybody is empowered to do it themselves if they know the right scriptures and they know how to accept Jesus Christ as their authoritative, their authority, and the Holy Spirit to guide them while cleansing. Is, is there a danger in attempting to do it, though, if you're not completely sure, if you're not completely strong yes. in your belief? Yes, there is a danger. Um, I'll give you an example here. Uh, I have it in my notes, actually. Give me one second here. It's in Acts. It's in, in the Bible. It's called the Sceva Brothers. Uh, let me see here. The well, Sceva Brothers, they're in the Old Testament, I believe, and it's in Acts. And what they try to do is that they try to clean out demons without the authority of Jesus Christ. So what happened to the seven Sceva brothers, there are seven of them, the demon says to them, I know Jesus Christ, but I don't know who you are. Mm. Yeah. And so that, the demon said that to them. And they said, well, we're here to clean you. He goes, you have no right cleaning me out because you don't have the authority of Jesus Christ. You know what that demon did to the seven brothers? Beat them and stripped them of their clothes. Ah. And they took off. That's what happens when you don't have the authority of Jesus Christ to chase away evil entities. That's what happens. The evil spirit will have more power over you. 
Well, we only have a few minutes here before we have to take a break for the news. When we come back okay. on, on the other side of the news, I want to get into some of the theory uh, behind this. And, and you actually have a lot of warnings in the book uh, for those who do go out and investigate the paranormal, as, as we do and as a, as a lot of our audience does. Uh, you feel that uh, they, they are putting themselves in harm's way uh, by investigating the paranormal. So we'll right. talk about all that coming up in the next hour. Why don't you let, okay. let everybody know how they can get a copy of Spiritual Warfare and the Paranormal? Oh, they can go to my website, spiritualwarfareandtheparanormal.com. And when you get there, you can see there's links for uh, for Amazon to get an audio book uh, as well. And you can also uh, join up on the Facebook fan page. And that's the way for people to get a hold of you if they want to share their own stories and, and find out more. Yeah, that's correct, Tim. And uh, just uh, real, can you give out the uh, Facebook uh, web address too? Yeah, that's, that's uh, facebook.com forward slash spiritualwarfareandtheparanormal.com. And when you do pick up the book, uh, it, it's a it's it's a very interesting read. Uh, you do have a lot of uh, the actual uh, verses from the Bible uh, that you use uh, in in your work, and you also have a, a guest chapter that was written by by somebody as well. Yes, yes. You mean the, uh, at the end of the book there, the reviews? Yes. No, the um, the chapter uh, by uh, Reverend Ng. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, Doctor uh, Richard Ng. Uh, I gave him a copy of my book, and I needed his uh, his advice, you know, how to write the book. And he says, Jason, your book is great. I like how it's laid out. Can I add a chapter to it? I said, that would be great. So he gave me his chapter, and it's not published anywhere else. And he gave me that chapter to publish in my book. Excellent. So you can check that out. Go to spiritualwarfareandtheparanormal.com if you want to find out more. It's also linked up on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com. As I said, we have to take a break for the news. When we come back, we'll talk more with Jason Lohman, our guest tonight, uh, until about 1230. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to go to legendtrips.com, before we start talking about how dangerous it is to go out and investigate the paranormal, if you want to join us to do so, uh, we are having a uh, event on August 31st at the USS Salem in Quincy, Massachusetts. So you can join up with us. Tickets are $99, and we also have an announcement to make for $30 more payable to the USS Salem. You can bunk on the ship for the night. You can't, Moniz, because everybody will complain when you <laughs> snore. But you can actually sleep on the ship, uh, so you don't have to worry about going to your hotel room afterwards or making the long drive home. Uh, when we're all done investigating, you can just curl up in a bunk and go to sleep, and they'll be giving you bagels and coffee in the morning as part of the deal. So not bad. You get a bunk and you get some breakfast. Uh, that's only $30 more, but if you just want to come and, and go for the investigation, tickets are $99. You get dinner. You get lectures. It's the Spooky South Coast crew. It's Jeff Belanger from 30 Odd Minutes and from Ghost Adventures. So it's going to be an action-packed night. Uh, lots of activity at the USS Salem. And uh, we will definitely have more information about the ship uh, posted up on SpookySouthCoast.com and on LegendTrips.com as we get closer to the event. If you are someone who has never been there, such as myself, I'm going to go check it out beforehand, but I've never actually been to the Salem. It is immense. So we'll be back in just a few minutes here on WBSM's Spooky South Coast. Presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome back, half hour number two of Spooky South Coast. We're going a little bit over our usual curfew of midnight. 
because we are talking with our guest Jason Lohman about his book Spiritual Warfare and the Paranormal. And as I said at the beginning of the program, this is something that we always allude to but never really have the background info in. Uh, we are not a religious trio, the three of us. At least, I know that I'm not. I mean, I've never really asked you guys. Uh, Costa, I'm pretty sure that I know that you are not um, no. very religious. No. And, and Moniz, I know that you have a, a belief in a higher power. But I'm more spiritual than religious. There's a difference. I was going to say, you're, you're more uh, Rastafarian <laughs> than anything else. Rastafarian. I happen to be a member of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, yes. There you go. And, uh, and you're also a, a Freemason, which is something that Jason addresses in his book, too. So okay. we might uh, get into some of that as well. But uh, we are talking with Jason Lohman. He's the author of Spiritual Warfare and the Paranormal. You can check out his website, spiritualwarfareandtheparanormal.com. It's also linked up on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com. And Jason, in the book, as you're talking about how uh, all of these, what we perceive to be as ghosts, could be uh, demonic entities, you do seem to think that the whole idea of uh, ghosts as being the souls of those who have departed is just a trick that the demonic are playing on us. Yeah, it's, it's a complex, the spirit world is, is complex. <laughs> and let me explain what I mean by that, is that um, demons, they hate mankind. They despise them. And the reason why is because God has made mankind in his image. Mankind is the masterpiece of God's work. They hate mankind for that reason. So demons, they will they love to masquerade and torment and fool and do whatever they can, evil and malicious, on the human race. The demons have a, a, a what you call a hierarchy. Uh, Satan is the, is the commander in chief, and then you have what's called the strong men, kind of like the generals, and then the generals have the foot soldiers. It's these foot soldiers that are causing most of the hauntings that you see today, and uh, their main command from Satan is to uh, keep in people's lives so they are distant from God. That's the main rule. But you get all these foot soldiers who are uh, rogue, basically, AWOL, and they're going around and they have a different desire on how to torment man, and that's through poltergeist, hauntings, and, and, and so forth like that. And they will pick and choose who they will haunt based on if they have the authority of Jesus Christ with them or not. <laughs> So that's how it kind of complex it is, and they do masquerade as as dead loved ones. Now, I'm not saying a dead loved one can't linger around, because I, I give you a, uh, something on that, is that uh, dead loved ones can linger. However, uh, ghosts, dead uh, spirits that linger, they do not haunt. They do not torment mankind mm -hmm. like the Qurans have experienced, like I have experienced, like MTVL Horror has experienced. Ghosts do not, and they choose not to do that. Uh, for, you know, when, uh, uh, I'll give you a, a, a lingering spirit, like out-of-body experiences. I read many reports of out-of-body experiences, and these people, when they go out of their body, they know things in different rooms, and they report it back when they come back into their body. Well, that proves that they had an out-of-body experience, you know. 
so what they would do is that uh, their spirits are lingering. They are now considered a ghost. How long they linger, I don't know. But I do know that God sends his angels to escort them if they linger for a certain amount of time on earth. But ghosts do not haunt like demons do. No way. Um, so that's how I look at it right now. And that's and the ghosts and everything, that's how I try to capsize it all for you. And I know <laughs> right there. Uh, they do linger, but I do believe that the angels do come and escort them out. Ghosts do not haunt. Demons, however, they love to fool mankind. They love to masquerade, and they love to hurt mankind. Demons love to relish in places where men have committed evil in the past. Sure, yeah. Love, That's why yeah, we say that they're haunted all the time, yeah. What's that, Tim? That's why we always say, you know, places that have had, experienced extreme tragedy are more prone to be haunted. Yes. yes. Occult, extreme, or tragedies. Demons relish, they love that area because they, they think it's the next best thing to tormenting man is being right in that area. And they will stay there for years, haunting that little area where the occult took place, where uh, tragic accidents have taken place. But it's not the spirits that die there that are haunting because they don't haunt. Angels will literally come escort them if they're still lingering on earth. That's why you have out-of-body experiences. They're lingering spirits still in the hospitals. They see things, and then they're whisked back into their body. There was one story where one lady, she had an out-of-body experience, and she was in literally held for seven minutes. She came back to her body after the seven-minute ordeal, and she became a full-blown Jesus Christ follower and, and, and accepted his authority. And that, that literally changed her life, that experience. And then there's other experiences where they go to heaven, and they meet Jesus up in the clouds and their relatives up there, then they come back to their body, and that transforms them into being a, uh, a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> well, so, but it is possible. You did mention that the angelics will come down and, and yes. escort these spirits away. So it is possible that if we do encounter a, a positive or benevolent spirit, then that we could be dealing with something from the angelic realm. Yes, possibly. However, uh, demons love to masquerade as angels of light. So that's where it gets tricky. You don't know if, if you're talking to uh, uh, your grandmother or if you're talking to a demon that's posing as your grandmother. Hmm, so how do you know then? How can you be sure? You, you cannot know. That's the thing. So the, you have to draw a line and say, you know what? I, there's no way I can know because man mankind cannot determine that. No matter what. Oh, I heard her voice on the EVP. Well, you know what? The demon can do her same voice, too. Well, what about oh, those? What, the, I was going to say, what about those who have abilities? Well, the, the demons put images into psychic minds. They could do that. Say, oh, I'm the grandmother, I'm the grandmother. That's why I, I don't, I really kind of discredit psychics is because they tell you oh, it's your dead grandmother, but they don't know for sure if it's a demon posing or masquerading as your dead grandmother. I mean, it just sounds like, a, you, you know, it's it's one of those situations where it, it could always be, so therefore we we can never be sure, you know? Like, a, it, it's almost like you, you could get hit by another car every time you get in a car and drive, so why bother to drive? Right, right. If you suspect that your loved one is lingering, Tim, what you can do is you could pray to God, and he sends his angels to come and collect that lingering spirit. And I believe that's explained in Richard Eames' chapter that he uh, contributed to me, if you suspect that. Here's the important thing. 
when you have the authority of Jesus Christ, you have what's known called uh, discernment. Discernment of the Spirit. I, myself, I, I have discernment. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I acquired that when I accepted Jesus Christ as my authority. Sure. I'm able to tell what spirit is malicious and what spirit could be a real, true spirit of a living person. It's called discernment, and the Bible teaches how to acquire discernment through the Holy Spirit. So, but now you feel that uh, paranormal investigators who are going out into haunted locations, you know, I mentioned our, our Legend Trips event going on to the, the haunted ship, the USS Salem. So people that are just doing that, whether it be for uh, thrill-seeking or being for serious research or, or what have you, whatever the reason is, if they don't have that ability of discernment, then you feel like they're putting themselves in danger? Yes. If you don't have that ability of discernment, and the only way to get that discernment is having the authority of Jesus Christ, if you don't have that discernment, you are playing with fire, because I know, actually, I know certain paranormal investigators who have problems, gotten into drugs immediately, uh, gotten skinny, their wife left them, and demons can do that. They will wreak, wreak havoc on your life. Wait, wait, getting, getting skinny? Yeah, yeah, you know. But, but not uh, in a good uh, way. Yeah. Because I could lose a few pounds. Uh, but. <laughs> But I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I talk to a lot of paranormal investigators, a lot of people who do this all the time. Every weekend they're out there taking on cases and and taking on different investigations. And I got to say 97, 98 percent of them all come back with having no negative repercussions of doing so. Hey, you know what? Like I say, the the demons can pose as benevolent. And they, they will. They will play. They'll just do that. They love to play benevolent as well. They will play both ends. They will play at both spectrums. Remember, Satan can appear as an angel of light, as states that. And, and demons will play innocent little games with you and so forth. Oh, yeah, it can happen. It can happen. It's just that you don't know exactly if it's a real lingering spirit or if it's a demon just playing games with you. Well, we have about 12 minutes remaining in the program. If anybody has any uh, questions for our guest, Jason Lohman, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. We also have the chat room going on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, so you can put in your questions there as well, and uh, we'll, we'll try to read them as we go on. But I, I, I don't know. It, it seems to me like... Uh, if it was that dangerous and you were going up against the demonic every time, then we would have a lot more uh, instances of people uh, being you know, punished, being, being accosted for uh, their pursuit of the paranormal. And, and so often I just hear stories of, of, well, I mean, I guess I probably hear more stories of nothing happening than I do of anything happening. But when there are instances of activity taking place, uh, it doesn't seem to be anything negative. Maybe that's yeah. maybe that's designed to. You know, you know, when you play with fire, you don't always get burned. Right. You know? But there's that chance you could always get burned. So do you, do you think too that maybe they're just biding their time and and maybe you want to uh, give the the false? Uh, yeah, oh. I mean, for me, uh, going out and just asking demons questions and everything, you know, you're just going to get lies when you ask questions because you don't know for sure who you're talking to because it's unknown. The spirit world is unknown. You don't know who you're talking to. You could be getting a demon. Because demons, they come in all sizes. Demons come in all shapes. I mean, there's demons as small as eight inches tall, all the way up to ten feet tall. And they come in different shapes, colors. Uh, they have different uh, uh, needs. Because there's demons of 
all sorts of murders. There's demons that only do murder, only do hate, only do bitterness, and then demons that do strictly paranormal events. Uh, so um, we we have a call here coming in on the news line, so I'm going to take it just in case it's uh, oh, okay. it's something right. news related. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast with Jason Loman. How are you? Uh, great, Tim. This is Taylor. Oh, I'm okay. The news line. Okay. Do you want me to uh, just let you call back and leave a message? Yes. Okay. Please. I wasn't Thank sure you. if it was like breaking news from the police or something. <laughs> no. All right. Thanks. Hey, hey, when you when you got a chance, I'd like to. Uh, uh, Ask a general question too, you know, if, if I, we got time. Sure, yeah, we got about ten minutes left. Okay, all right. My general question is, uh, what help did the homeowners of Amityville Horror and The Conjuring seek, and what did they find temporarily? And the, the answer to that is that the help that came was Ed and Lorraine Warren, mm-hmm. who both had the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, um, what happened is that because the Perons, you know, you know the mother was an atheist when she moved into the house. Today, she's not. She's more of a spiritual, guided person. She well, is the story of Jesus Christ. Actually, i, I got to step in for a second. That uh, is what was portrayed in the film. But uh, in actuality, that's not the case. Uh, I, okay, I was speaking I with Andrea Perron. Of her, of her interview. Uh, according to Andrea Perrin, the family uh, were Christians, and uh, they were church-going, and, and they did have a strong set of Christian belief uh, before these incidents happened. Okay, I have a transcript before me that says that the mother was an atheist when she first moved in, of her of her questioning. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just going by what uh, what Andrea said. What you're saying, okay. But still, I mean, we we know that with the Lutz family moving into Amityville, you know, they were they were into uh, Eastern philosophies and transcendental meditation uh, more than they were anything. Uh, uh, yeah, so they they didn't possess the the authority of Jesus Christ in that house. Um, I'm by my by what I read, I I I see the girls were baptized when they were young, but being baptized when you're young doesn't really give you the authority of Jesus Christ. You really have to mean it in your heart. Mm-hmm. You have the authority of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's what Lorraine and Ed had. They had the authority of Jesus Christ, is what I'm trying to speak now about and, and sure. in my book. And they were able to clean it out. But, however, you do know the spirits followed the Perons to Georgia. Yes. Okay. With the spirit of, of the authority, the, the hauntings would not follow you so much. But, you know, they subsided over the years in Georgia. And the reason why is because the mother... And the head of the household, that's that's key term, head of the household, also has to be in the authority of Jesus Christ. So as their faith grew in the spiritual and believing in Jesus Christ, the demons slowly subsided over time. Well, and also, too, uh, I suppose that after a while, if the demon doesn't get what it wants, won't it kind of just move on to someone else? Yes, but it will look for somebody who does not possess the authority of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's if someone has the authority of Jesus Christ, they have what's called Holy Spirit possession. Holy Spirit possession is when that's in somebody, there's no room for a demonic possession in their home or life. So it's very important to have the Holy Spirit possession, which you can only get through the authority of Jesus Christ. And can you you can. Uh you can get that authority just by having the strong faith and the belief? The strong faith and belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord, yes. Yep. 
And I see, I didn't, I really didn't think of that until I started my spiritual warfare. I was like, there's got to be an answer to my paranormal spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. The Bible is the closest thing that could answer my question, and it has verses, verses that will back me up what I said tonight. The Bible answers my questions, and the Bible is the number one book selling today, and it has been for two thousand years. So that kind of tells me something as well. <laughs> especially, you know, it's it's especially impressive when you realize like you could steal it from any hotel room. Yes. <laughs> Although yes. you probably don't want to steal the Bible, but uh, right. and it, it's yeah. you know it's like yeah. a free giveaway with every uh, Kindle and, and Nook account now. Yeah, so. the Gideons they do that. They put in free Bibles in the hotel rooms. So I mean, what is probably the first step that somebody should do though if they feel like they need to arm themselves spiritually if they if they need to to get on that right path because they are dealing with something like that? What what should they do? What they should do is um, for one. Uh, look into Jesus Christ as your authority and study his scriptures that talk about casting out demons because he's got scriptures after scriptures how he says you, I give you the authority to cast out demons is what he says let's see I got it in my notes somewhere here yeah yeah Luke 10 it says Jesus states I have given you authority to trample on scorpions and snakes and to overcome all powers of the enemy nothing will harm you Snakes and scorpions are the evil spirits and demons that he speaks about. And then there's another scripture that says, I give you authority and to be able to cast out demons. Now, demons you can cast out from places, homes, and people, as long as you have the authority of Jesus Christ. Well, I think it's interesting that, that you know, Jesus said that, uh, you know, according to what you just read, but... So many times with the church, especially the Catholic Church, yeah. you know they they won't condone an exorcism when people feel that one is needed, and they certainly don't want yeah. people to take it into so, their own hands. I'm not Catholic, and there's a lot of things in that Catholic I disagree. I'm just strictly Bible centered myself. Mm-hmm. I'm Bible centered, or Bible centered, Jesus Christ centered. I don't follow Catholic. I don't follow uh, you know any other Baptist or anything like that. A lot of a lot of dogma is just politics. Yes. Right, and um, uh, and you know, there is. There's sad to say, there's a lot of politics in in, in those big old churches. But it and seems to I me don't, like I don't do that. I belong to a small, small, non-denominational type of church. <laughs> there's only 100 people myself. I was going to say, it seems like you found your own way, and you found the way to make you know the the word of God work for you, uh, and, yes. and to yes. to make it so that it fits into your life, as, as opposed to having to have all these strict you know codes and ethics uh, around it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the word. In the Bible, it says Jesus Christ is the Word, and the Word is Jesus Christ. So when you use the Word and and uh, casting out demons, literally, demons are feeling a sharp, double-edged sword pierced into them. You don't see it, but it's in the spiritual realm. Hmm. It's hard to imagine. I know it sounds fairy tale, but it's it's there. It's, it's no. true. It's in the spirit realm. <laughs> you describe you describe in the book, you know, using the Word of God as, as bullets to to actually yeah, attack exactly. these entities. Yep, and they feel the bullets. However, you cannot kill demons. You can only inflict pain on demons using the word. And the word is Jesus Christ. If you inflict pain on demons, they don't want that. They will flee. But only one individual can kill demons, and that is Jesus Christ. And he states that what, how he's going to do that in Revelation, how he's going to kill uh, demons at, towards the end. 
So. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've always I've always been somebody who has, uh, you know, I've, I've never really known where I stand uh, on a matter of faith, and I've never really known yeah. how I felt when dealing with the demonic. All I know is I know that whatever is at the Lizzie Borden house is negative, and I know that when I invoked the name of Jesus one time that I did it uh, as a form of provocation more than anything, yeah. I know that I got a hell of a response. <laughs> so, did you? Oh, yeah. So that's how I know that, uh, you know, there's definitely a, a, a thread here going. Whether or not I think that it's demonic or whether or not it's something that had negative intentions and still reacted well, to the to the vibes of let me that. tell you this Tim a, a ghost a human lingering would not have responded to you only demons respond when they when somebody mentions Jesus Christ well <laughs> demons do not want to hear that word they are scared of that word if, if, if it is a human over there and uh, if it's Andrew Boyden as some people feel he's going to respond no matter what I say because he just doesn't like me Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, well, we're just about out of time, but we want to let everybody know that uh, if they want to check out your book, they can go to spiritualwarfareintheparanormal.com, and uh, they can also join up on your Facebook fan page as well. Uh, are you yep. fre- are you posting uh, frequently on that fan page so that people can... Yes, can- I, I post once or twice a week. Excellent. And they can get in touch with you through that page if they want oh, to yeah. share some of their own yep. stories. Yeah, they can get through me on that page definitely all right well thank you so much for joining us jason and, and for being uh, accommodating around the red sox game and sticking around late with us oh yeah anytime anytime tim all right well uh, definitely keep us up to date with your work and we'll talk to you soon okay thanks tim have a great night you too. Bye. That is Jason Lohman. Again, the book is Spiritual Warfare and the Paranormal. You can go to SpookySouthCoast.com, click on Jason's picture, and you will see uh, his bio and you will get a link to his website and uh, we'll also we're post putting those up as blog posts on our website and we have so many blog posts up there now if you have not gone up there from all of our great guest bloggers uh stuff from barb Wright, dave francis uh kira emily it's all up there for you to read and check out so definitely go and read all the articles on spooky southcoast.com also uh we also have the pinterest which is something that chris balzano has been working on so if you are on pinterest search for spooky south coast and join up with us there as well so many ways to get in touch with us and stay in touch with us spooky crew at spooky southcoast.com on Twitter, at SpookySC. Uh, on Facebook as well. We just went over a 1,000 Facebook likes because, you know, we don't really actively promote ourselves. But uh, it's there if you want to like us and make us feel good about ourselves. Please do so. We'll be back next week when our guest will be Mac Maloney. We'll be talking about Beyond Area 51, his new book. And we'll talk about other Area 51-type locations around the world. Moniz won't be here. He's going to be at the uh, – uh, uh, he's going to be out – uh, in the field, we'll say. Yeah. And he may be checking in depending on... Don't don't say that you, we can't say where you are, because you're going to say where you are when you call in on the air. I'll leave that for then. And uh, also, uh, you can uh, stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com for all of our upcoming guests, including we just booked it August 17th. Andrea Perrin will be here with us, so check that out. Until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>